walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, Kyle Bird. Whoo! Man, I want to be. I'm gonna. I'm going to be quite Franklin with you guys. My cat just had a brutal case of diarrhea on, on the other side of the fucking house. And I can, I feel like I am swimming in the stench. This cat, look, he's got, they, they got their yearly checkup coming up next week. And thank goodness, because this cat has just been squirting like Asa Akira. All over, at least it's over his, his litter box, at least. Just liquid shit. Doesn't bury it. Just, hey, pops, take a look at this diarrhea. It's probably because, you know, he's probably sick or something. Probably has uh, the monkey pox or whatever else is going around. But that is what it is. Just wanted to let you guys in on uh, the environment that I'm recording this in. Um, if I have, do you guys remember those movies that they would have, like, you'd go to the movie theater and they would give you like a scratch and sniff thing and then like, like a number or whatever would appear on the screen and you'd scratch it. I remember Rugrats Go Wild had that. That's the only movie I ever had that with. And then, you know, Chucky would fart and you'd scratch it and you'd be like, oh, that smells like poop. And then we'd all have fun. Uh, yeah, well, that's where I'm at now. And really... It's kind of apropos, not poopery. That's different. That would be good. I wish I had some poopery, but all I have now is poop. Er, poop, pooper, poopery, right? ECW Holiday Hell, nineteen ninety-five. I mean, that arena probably smelled worse than it smells in here. I'm gonna be honest. Uh. <coughs> But uh, yes, that's the show we're here to cover. That's what, that's what we're here to talk about. That's what you saw in the title. That's what you hit play to hear me babble about. So we're going to give it to you folks. Uh, pretty good show, actually, for ECW for 1995. Not too shabby, although the bar might be uh, on the ground. So uh, not a lot of high expectations sometimes, but honestly, pretty, pretty Pretty good era we're in with ECW. We got uh, Raven and Tommy Dreamer continuing their feud. It feels like they've been feuding the entire time I've been covering ECW, but um, probably one of their better matches on this show. Um, 
and always good stuff from those guys. The, 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 the stuff Raven and Tommy Jimmer, the, the stuff that they do ranges from okay to really good, which is more than I could say about a lot of stuff in ECW at this time period. So uh, good stuff there. You got Taz looking like a monster. Pretty much it's been a, you know, a slow progression to the Taz that we all know. And uh, him linking up with Bill Alfonso, I think we're, we're pretty much there. The, the aesthetics there. And it's it's fun to, to see like the early stages of him being built up to be a main eventer there. So um, good stuff there. We got Mikey versus Two Cold Scorpio for the ECW TV title and the ECW tag team titles. Yeah, I know it doesn't make sense. And we'll talk about it. Sandman. Sandman defends the title against the winner of Tommy Dreamer and Raven, uh, which that title match is actually very good as well. And the main event, the main event, an Olympic rules match between Cactus Jack and Sabu. We get some nice Greco-Roman single leg high crotches in that match. So this is the cat that had diarrhea, by the way. You can see it in his face, right? I swear he like sees me talking into this mic and he's like, oh, what in tarnation bear save the day. <laughs> I don't know why that's his voice. Um, his name's Dwayne. I guess that makes sense. But anyways, got a lot of good stuff to talk to you guys about today. And got some good old fashioned EC dub. The Shah is here. Mantar is here for whatever fucking reason. Nobody asked for it, but you, you got Mantar on Holiday Hell 1995. But you know who you did ask for? Well, I mean, I asked for him. I mean, I like messaged him and asked him if he would come on. Talk. Mr. Fretz from the Fretzelmania podcast joins me, returns to the show today to talk to me. CW. Always a good time with James Athen. Uh, go check out. The Fretzelmania podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, check out Fretz on Twitter at Fretzelmania. All his info in the description below. There's a really good podcast over there. It covers a lot of retro stuff. Um, a lot of stuff kind of in line with the uh, Ruthless Aggression stuff that I cover. But he gets into a lot of the TV shows and uh, the pay-per-views as well, of course. Has guests on his show. Oh, also covers like old school WCW and the odd, you know, he actually had me on to to, uh, discuss uh, the first TNA show. I was uh, privileged (laughs) to come on his show and talk about it. It was a few months ago at this point, I guess. But uh, go check that out, if nothing else. That was was a really fun time. Uh, That first TNA show is way crazier than you remember if you haven't watched it in a while. So do that. Check out all his stuff. Check out all my stuff, why don't you, at apronbump.com. If you like this type of episode, if you're into the EC-dub, why don't you just scurry on over to apronbump.com. Go to the Episodes tab at the top and select ECW, and that'll bring you to all of the ECW shows that I've recapped thus far, starting from their very first Extreme Championship Wrestling show, November to Remember, 1994. All the way till now, Holiday Hell 1995. The last show of 1995 is where we're at now. So uh, it's been a journey. 1995. It feels like everything's happened and nothing's happened. <laughs> so, but it's always a good time. Oh, lots of silliness to talk about. And this show is no different. So why hold you up? Let me shoot this up your chimney and 
spin your dreidel. <laughs> so, anyways, let's get to it. ECW, Holiday Hell, 1995, with myself and Mr. Fretz from the Fretzelmania podcast. It was like the Undertaker rising out of his casket and goozling somebody. It was like when Meghan Markle pays her respects. And it's like, oh, yeah, people, people are right on it, man. Or there was the one where, you know, you know, the queen was the rock of the family. And then it goes into uh, if you smell. Uh, <laughs> uh, does, does Canada have a queen? You guys have a queen there, right? No, but we're like, we're not in the monarchy, but we're like allies associated with with the monarchy in a way so mm. i i, I, I think that's as far as we with go. everybody yeah I mean, who, who needs a military when you know nobody hates you i mean it's smart so you guys got the mounties and we always get our man so that's what they say that's what they say um but yeah man so you, you were able to check out uh ecw holiday hell 1995 Wait, we're not reviewing Clash of the Castle out of respect. <laughs> I I mean, you can, uh, but I'll just pipe in with some Hack Myers quips in between matches. Oh, the Shaw. Yeah, I managed to check this out. I think I watched about a week or two ago, so my notes might not be mm-hmm. that fresh. My brain is kind of fried, so I'm. Um, no it, worries, it, man. It's it was almost impossible to take notes on ECW shows. So I learned that the hard way. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess, first of all, uh, were you an ECW watcher growing up? I didn't get ECW until it came on uh, TNN Spike TV when they had that disastrous right. uh, TV deal. But I was aware of ECW probably around. 96 like a couple of shows after this i became aware of it thanks to you know my older cousin got me into wrestling he would occasionally buy me like a wrestling magazine i'm like huh ecw who are the pit bulls and who is this tommy (laughs) dreamer guy and then through more wrestling mags like pwi 500 i'm like oh that's what that is so at this point in time i was watching the odd wwe but not all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's something. I mean, I think in some ways this is like peak ECW, but in other ways it isn't because like you have like the Sandman really cooking and Cactus Jack. You got a lot of people that are about to head to WCW or WWF. So, is they got a pretty uh I guess if you're an ECW loyalist, it's it's a pretty good roster here, but uh yeah, it's 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 got it, it's got its quirks. But uh, I guess overall thoughts on the show, you coming in kind of cold. What, what did you think of this whole thing? It, it was OK. I mean, I think the the show was kind of a mess, like especially how it was laid out on the network. Like Tommy Dreamer has three matches in a row. Then I thought, oh, wait, that was just <laughs> well, we'll get there. It's just like one move mm-hmm. and and done. But I kind of had a good time, especially with the uh, Olympic rules match with Sabu. <laughs> Oh, just just a technical clinic between Sabu and Cactus Jack. It was really amazing to watch. Let me tell you. Uh, where was Kurt Angle when he needed him here? Yeah, he, yeah, he came. He came to ECW, but then, you know, they went and, you know, shoved pumpkins up Sandman's ass or whatever that story is. So it scared him away. So, mm-hmm. but 
that's not for a few years anyways but um so yeah holiday hell the uh the last ecw show for 1995 uh really going out with a bang here some may say and as ecw is making their debut in new york so this show comes from uh queens new york the uh do you remember the arena name it was like um oh i thought i i thought i wrote that down that that battalion the last battalion is that what it was last battalion hall or something like that Yeah. yeah some cheesy shit like that but uh yeah so a little bit of a new environment for these ecw shows uh joey styles out there in the beginning kind of introducing the crowd to the show and then out comes stevie richards and blue meanie uh, listen here stevie richards roasted this crowd because you know <clears throat> they're from queens right you know what he calls the fans a bunch of queens rim shot oh <laughs> Never heard that one before. So really starting off hot with the banter at this show. So uh, and Missy Hyatt is ringside for some reason. Well, what do you I think Missy Hyatt's a little bit before my time. What can you tell me about Missy Hyatt? Uh, I just know her as a manager from like, oh, this had to be like early WCW days. She was kind of notorious for, you know, sleeping around in the locker room. Mm, Alle- allegedly. Alle- yeah, allegedly. Uh, kind of like the the sunny of the 1980s, if you will. A original diva as well. I don't know that much about her. I couldn't even tell you who she managed other than, I don't know, Jack Victory or something like that. Mm. Well, she's got some DSLs on her. But uh, yeah, other than that, don't know much about her. And uh, Stevie's cutting a promo in the ring. He he sees her, Missy Hyatt, and he goes out to her and is like, hey, why don't we go to my van and fuck? And Missy's like, no, I don't really want to. Uh, Stevie's like, hey, I know Raven. You want to date with Raven? And she's like, well, when you put it like that, yeah, sure. And Stevie's like, it'll make out with me and I'll get you a date with Raven. So they make out. And then, um, yeah, thoughts? Uh, no thoughts here, but I, there was something in the beginning here that just kind of made me laugh with the Sandman's outside welcoming people to New York and he gets his, he gets his drink there. He pours it into the snow and some marks were drinking the beer on the snow. I hope to God there was no yellow (laughs) snow in there, but then again, he probably poured a Bud Light, which is pretty much piss anyways, but that that just got me going and dilly dilly. Stevie Richards wearing the David Lee Roth skyscraper shirt like six months before he would rejoin Van Halen just just popped me for some reason. Hell yeah. Well, Steve, Stevie was ahead of the curve, some may say so. Um, But our opening match here, we got Koji Nakagawa versus Taz. So uh, Koji which I don't know if he's associated with the Koji clutch a submission move or if that's just a common name in Japan. Uh, but apparently he's from the FMW promotion and he's here basically to get squashed by Taz. Taz is out here with Bill Alfonso, who is new manager. They pretty much aligned to the last show. And uh, Taz kind of a, has a more 
he's, he's more of a heel now. He's kind of got more of a menacing character, more of a direction for his um, for his character, which is good. Well, what do you think about the duo here between Taz and Bill Alfonso? I thought it was a little awkward. I remember Bill Alfonso being with uh, Sabu and Rob Van Dam more than Taz. Uh, Taz is kind of like your right. silent assassin, so he kind of needs a mouthpiece, but at the same time, he doesn't because he's, well, the silent assassin. It's like it's like if you put a mouthpiece on Hook today, it's it's not necessary. It's his his ring work does the, the job for him. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're totally right, but it's funny to call him a silent assassin when Taz would, would go on to be a commentator for the most of his career, but I digress. Um, but yeah, it's not much of a match here. Koji's pretty much there to get dropped on his head repeatedly by Taz, various Germans and half and half suplexes and T-bone suplexes. So Taz pretty much just displaying his, uh, his moveset here, his judo throws, and of course gets the win with the Taz mission, which is a, a new move at this point. Finally, like the second time he's used it in ECW. Uh, but that gets him the submission victory. And yeah, I, I think Taz came out looking like a monster in this. <laughs> Taz even grabs the mic afterwards. And because the crowd's chanting, we want Sabu during this match. And Taz is like, hey, you want Sabu? Yes, well, Sabu's a pussy hiding from me. I'll break him in half. He can go fuck off. He just gets all pissed and leaves. So. Uh, but otherwise, I thought it was a pretty good uh, display for Taz here. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a great showcase here. And having Nakagawa come in here, this this is dude that's been in the ring with like Hayabusa, Super Delphin, the Headhunters, and Joel Gertner being the ring announcer mm-hmm. here. I just noted here looking way different than he would like only like two years from now when he would become you know the quintessential stud muffin. Insert very very long ejaculate joke here. And even today where he's live <laughs> streaming YouTube stock tips. Yeah. And I, I put it noted here. Uh, Koji wrestled in Japan as Goemon. Same as the Mystical Ninja. Who is that? You have to ask Warren Hayes because I think he'd be the only other person other than me who would get that reference. <laughs> and he says nobody in Queens, nobody in the WWF. I like how they mentioned the WWF in this a lot. NWCW. Because they're mm-hmm. like, hey, look, we exist over here. They're kind of like what Impact Wrestling is today outside of WWE and AEW. And yeah. he says, Taz makes money more than you schlubs. But I noted, yeah, not Paul Heyman's paying him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he said that. I was like, do you, though, Taz? I feel like any guy with like upper mid class might be up there with you. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't know anything. Um, But yeah. But no, yeah, that's good, that's good stuff. Yeah, and uh, Taz, like I said, he kind of for for most of '95, he had kind of been just kind of floating around. I mean, he did break his neck at some point, so he he was out for a while. But um, seems like he's on the road to main eventing the ECW sometime in the future. So good stuff there. But next is our main event. Might as well be the main event. We got JT Smith versus the Shaw. Of yes. ECW, Mr. Hack Myers. Let's go. Let's go. So I, I'm assuming, is this your first ever Hack Myers match that you've witnessed? I've never seen Hack Myers before. I, I listened to a couple of your ECW shows in the past, and I'm just like, what the hell is a Shaw? 
So once I saw this fat biker dude, it, it's not what How I envisioned. <laughs> it's not what I envisioned. I, I heard Shaw and my mind went right to the modern day Maharaja for some odd reason. Because I don't know what the hell a Shaw yeah. even is. And he looks like a long lost member of the BSK. Yeah, I mean, he probably is. Let me, let me Google Shaw real quick, just so we can inform the audience. It is a um, a title given to the emperors and kings across the history of Iran. So I guess it, maybe he's Ira- Iranian, Persian. Some may say call in if you know. Um, but yeah, so that's Hack Myers in a nutshell. He's the Shah. Going up against the Italian stallion, J.T. Smith. So, hey, it's, uh, I guess, the, the, the planting some seeds for the full-blooded Italians in the future here. We got J.T. Smith, who, um, man, J.T. Smith, he seems like he's, he's pretty entertaining. But as far as his moveset, I think J.T. Smith has a lot of ideas for moves that sound cool and probably look cool in his head, but in execution, it just looks so dumb. Like he did this like handspring into a splash, but typically you would see like a handspring into like a moonsault or something to really get elevation, but he just like, (laughs) it's just like little moves like that throughout the match. And honestly, when you're in there with the Shah, you're going to look inferior either way, but, um, yeah, otherwise, your first Shaw match. What, what were your thoughts on it? I I enjoyed it here. It's ironic that you parallel J.T. Smith with the uh, FBI. He would be a member of the stable a little later on, I believe. And yeah, right. those moves he were trying, it, it was like when you're creating a move in, in, let's just say, in SmackDown versus Raw or something, and you skip the middle or you skip something and it just looks like a glitch splash, that's what his moves Looked exactly like yeah. right here. Uh, that top rope, nothing into a slingshot, slingshot splash just puzzled me. Uh, Hack Myers with like Powerbomb 02 from No Mercy. And that finisher, <laughs> that no hands Pepsi plunge looked like it would kill you. <laughs> a pe- it's not a Pepsi plunge. It's a um, maybe an RC Cola plunge at best. Because it is, uh, <laughs> it is, it's like a pedigree, but from the top rope. But it just always looks so awkward because he's on the second rope, but his opponent's on the ground. So he has to like reach down and it's like, it looks actually okay here. But I guess it says JT Smith. Because JT Smith, I don't know if it came across, but his character is that he's just kind of a bumbling idiot. Like he'll, he'll fall off the turnbuckles. And I think at the last show, he lost the match because he fell off the top turnbuckle. And went through a table ringside and got counted out. So that's kind of his thing. So like you said, he, I mean, the match, there's not a lot to this match. You know, shit, Shaw, like they'll do the punching battles. The crowd will chant Shaw every time Hack doesn't move. And shit, every time (laughs) JT doesn't move. Um, But ultimately, Hack hits a powerbomb. And then his uh, RC plunge for the win. And uh, this, this is all following JT botching a moonsault, basically, you know, just laying it on his face. So, um, but yeah, if, if this if this episode gave us anything, it gave us a name for Hackmeyer's finisher. And I have you to thank for that. So I appreciate you for that. Yep. And a uh, wash your ass hack chant. 
<laughs> is that what they were chanting? The crowd had some interesting chants on this show. I don't know if you noticed that or not. It was a, what's the matter you? Wash your ass hack. I mean, he, he's not the only guy they'd say, wash your ass to. I think it's all the chunkier wrestlers. Like, yeah, I'm a heavy guy. I am pretty capable of washing my own ass. So you don't need to chant that at us unless, you know, I want to know if I smell. For the record, folks, like if, like if I am a little ripe, I want you to tell me so I can, you know, fix that. That's fair. Well, look, I mean, Hack is, he hails from the last house on the left. And uh, they're, they're known for their um, lack of showering, hygiene, etc. So, and I mean, he has, you look at Hack Myers, you're like, yeah, that, that guy's a smelly fella. So it's a character, I suppose. Um, but after that five-star match, we now have a title match, a double title match. This match is a singles match for the world tag team titles and the ECW TV championship. Yes, folks. I said that right for the tag team titles and the TV title. And uh, it's going to be the champion to cold Scorpio who holds both those belts versus Mikey Whipwreck. Now, uh, Mikey Whipwreck just recently lost the ECW World Championship to the Sandman at a, uh, a live event, I suppose. Uh, their TV show, ECW's TV show that they do. Uh, there was a triangle match between Sandman, Steve Austin, and Mikey Whipwreck, and Mikey lost that. So uh, he is no longer champion, but he has a chance to regain two belts here. And uh, if Mikey wins, apparently he can just name his tag team partner and give them the tag team title which is something i guess they don't have any other tag teams other than the pitbulls and the other five thousand teams that are on the show but i digress um so too too cold has a bunch of belts so uh do you remember how he made the ring announcer announce him as two gold scorpio because he has a lot of gold folks he has a lot of gold so this match, I was a little confused by this match because Mikey Whipwreck got little to no offense in this match. And it, it, it was like 15 minutes, which doesn't sound that long, but it fucking was. And the whole match was too cold. He would do a move to Mikey. He would signal for the 450 splash, but then he would do literally anything else other than the four. like he would do uh, he like he would hit Mikey with a power bomb and then he would signal for the 450 and then he would pick Mikey up and then hit him with a tombstone. And then he would signal for 450. And then he'd go to the top rope and then just hit a regular splash. So it was just like that over and over again. I don't know. What did you think of this whole deal here? Yeah, this was a, a weird match. Uh, I, I didn't mind it at all. It was actually pretty good. Anytime I get to see two cold Scorpio is a treat because even today, that guy can still can still friggin go. But th this was oh, yeah. a long drawn out squash match because well Mikey was he was he was kind yes. of a jobber at first you know he would go on to be pretty prominent shout out to him for following me on Twitter by the way strangely enough oh yeah a really there was a really stiff kick in the face uh Mikey uh, there's another top rope nothing here uh, Missy Hyatt's kind of you know scoping out the match here liking liking what she sees because we know <clears throat> about allegedly two cold Scorpio um, huge, uh, super kick. There's like a super kick, a uh, Frank and Mikey. And then 
the ref takes so much abuse in this match. Like, I think he took more than one <laughs> splash from Scorpio here. How and do you then, do a ref bump with a top rope splash? As I'll, I'll, I'll never know, but they did it. They did it. I think it's just wrong, wrong place, wrong time, or he's like bending down to tie his shoes, and then you just get splashed out of nowhere. <laughs> Whoops, Daisy. You got you to gotta look left, look right, look left again. It's like crossing the street in New York. Who? Yeah, well, they should know. They should know that that's where they're at. So, um, but yeah, Mike, Mikey Whipwreck takes a beating here. Like, yeah, you put it perfectly. It's a, a drawn out squash match. But ultimately, as they're going at it, Scorpio goes to the top rope, maybe to finally do the 450 splash. But Cactus Jack comes out, shoves him off the top rope, and Mikey pins him, gets the win. So Mikey Whipwreck is the TV champion and one half of the tag team champions. And before Mikey can choose his tag team partner, Cactus Jack just yoinks the ta- the other tag team title. He's like, oh, well, I must be the, the second because they had been champions previously. So I guess maybe just assumed that they're a team for life. Cactus basically handed them the win. So, I mean, it's kind of fair when you really think about it, but it was, it was just funny how Mikey was like, oh man, I didn't want, uh, I guess. And then, that's how it happens, but I thought that was pretty entertaining. Oh, they did like the I am the tag team champion spot here, and I was just expecting Dr. Shelby to jump out of some time warp right here to straighten this shit out. <laughs> Wasn't um oh no, it was it was Scorpio Sky that was a part of that, right? Not too cold Scorpio. With what? He was in like the one of the um too cold score or um Scorpio Sky, it was like in the um the uh, whatever you call office. it, not AA, but like the meat, the, the, the therapy. Yeah. And it was like a bunch of people in a circle and Scorpio Sky, I believe I could be totally wrong on this. But I'm pretty sure Scorpio Sky was there and he like got chokeslammed by Kane or something. Go look it up. Back, sounds, back it, it, if you want, but it's either him or uh, Ricky Starks because Ricky Starks did some extra work in WWE, too. Yeah, I know he was definitely like a uh, security guard at some point. But um, yeah, good stuff there. Um, but next match we have, hey, some actual tag teams that maybe could be tag team champion. I don't know. Uh, the Eliminators versus the Pitbulls. Uh, the Eliminators, of course, a team of John Cronus and Perry Saturn. And the Pitbull, the Pitbulls, of course, the team of Pitbull number one and Pitbull number three. Pitbull number two. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the match starts off with a bark off. So you have the pit bulls who, of course, are dogs. So they bark at uh, the eliminators, whereas the eliminators, they're like little poses when Cronus is on his knees and Saturn's like on his shoulders, the whole thing. So, yeah, so that happens. There's a, a we want blood chant from the crowd. I guess there hasn't really I guess there hasn't been any blood at this point. Yeah, it's just been a bunch of wrestling, a bunch of nerds in their wrestling. Who, who would have thought? Um, but yeah, this match was something. It was, uh, I'll tell you this. The Eliminators definitely came off as the stars of this match, more so than the Pitbulls, but maybe you disagree. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I'd agree with you here. I did not recognize Perry Saturn with long hair. I've seen him with the, uh, kind of the mullet mohawk, but he had like full uh-huh. on long hair here. And John Cronus's roid belly, just my God, like that. 
<laughs> I, I look at all these live rounds, all these potatoes, and everyone getting dropped on their head. And I, I just think, no wonder that three of these guys are dead now. Just it's outrageous. But then, yeah. then we get to see Jason's, you know, the sexiest wrestler alive, his sexy mullet and his gi combo. Just I'm looking at that and I'm like, man, he looks exactly like Liu mm. Kang. And Mortal Kombat was hot around this point in time, so I guess he was capitalizing on yeah, that. Yeah. And East yeah. Always needs more Kronos. That, that's that's it right there. And unprotected chair shots yeah. and a, a toilet brush. Like, why would you bring a toilet brush to a show? Uh, <laughs> a, a used toilet brush. That's very important. And, oh, man, just fa- the fans want tables. And they did that. There is total elimination. Uh, this match really got pretty, pretty plodding at one point in time. And... I don't know what the hell Dude, these yeah. guys were chanting, but there was a Jason taunt done to Yankee Doodle went to town. And man, this was just a schmoz, but that's so I, super- I heard it as that um it was oh, what was it? Jason loves it was something about Jason loving dick in his ass or something. And that they did it for Stevie Richards, they did it for a few people on the show. They would just change the name. It's like Dude, uh, dude, uh, Jason loves big dick in his ass. Oh, the dude, you know, that whole thing. So, yeah, that's why I mentioned the crowd was very, very interesting with their chance on the show. That interesting could be the word for it, but that that super power bomb by the Pipples, that always gets a pop out of me. That that is awesome. And of course, the total elimination. Oh, man. Yeah, total uh, or the eliminators. They had a, a couple pretty innovative double team moves uh, of course total elimination which is by the way how they get the win here um but they also break out like the old like backbreaker and then the other guy comes off the top into a knee drop which um may or may not have been a move that was around during the time but as pretty seen it pretty early on is cool to see uh cronus doing all like the handspring moonsaults like you say he's just a big dude big bulky dude but he's just flying around in there um the pitbulls I mean, the the one thing I noticed is that there was not an ounce of selling in this match. Like you said, it was just plotting. It was just like, there's a cooking sheet. Bang. Boom. Okay. Yeah. Top rope splash. All right. Get up. Next move. It just, it just felt like a bunch of nonsense. But uh, all of this, you know, the Eliminators still did some pretty impressive moves. But the Pitbulls, I'm, I'm pretty tired of the Pitbulls at this point. Let me tell you. Yeah, they they'd be around for just a a little bit longer after this, but yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. th- this was an interesting one here. They just used every tag team finisher in like two K twenty two No Mercy, and here comes the pain combined. It, it, it was too, kind of like a too <laughs> much, too fast, but it was eh, it, it is what it is. But that's actually a good um way to describe it. It, it felt like a video game match like like the eliminators just kept on going to the top rope and doing moves top rope move top rope move and then you have like double team move double team move there was just no like cohesion to it and but that's ecw for you i guess but up after that we got tommy dreamer coming out to uh confront stevie richards and the blue mini who are both in the ring now it's supposed to be tommy dreamer versus raven as the number one contenders match for the ECW title. But Stevie, Blue Meanie, and Beulah McGillicuddy come out there. And Stevie mentions that Raven 
unfortunately, broke his leg last night in a match, so he will be unable to compete. A lot of bullshit chants from the crowd. Joey Styles on commentary is not having it either. Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer comes out. He uh, He's not having it either. He calls Raven a pussy. He also calls Raven a blowjob, which I think is fun. I think calling people blowjobs needs to make a comeback. <laughs> but uh, Stevie, Stevie's basically like, you know what? If you, you want Raven, well, you have to go through us. And then Tommy Dreamer proceeds to go through them. Uh, he DDT's meaning, pins them in like three seconds. Stevie gets in there, suffers the same fake. It's one DDT pinned. And uh, Tommy Dreamer goes to pile drive Abula, but Raven gets in there and he throws something. It felt like Raven threw like a whole ass filing cabinet. Tommy Dreamer, did you catch what that was? I thought it was a chair or something, but it could have just been the the entire like not the I mean, locker I mean, I mean, room, like a, a folded a like a, like a yeah. I thought it was like a an unfolded chair. It might have been. I don't know. It, it just came out of nowhere. I was like, what the hell? But I didn't feel like rewinding, but um. But then now Tommy Dreamer versus Raven can start. And uh, honestly, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, maybe maybe I have a low bar when it comes to these ECW matches sometimes, especially when guys like Dreamer and Raven in there. But as far as their matches, this is probably the best one I've seen so far. So I don't know. What do you think about this? Oh, this was really good. Uh, Dreamer and Raven is probably the best rivalry in ECW history. It's iconic. It's, it spans over yeah. years and through other promotions because well Raven went to WCW for a while and going back to ECW on TNN the very first one was the Dudley boys versus I think it was like balls and spike and then the Dudley boys are like yeah we're going to WWE with these uh titles so you guys can suck it in comes Dreamer no partner Raven slides in there and despite being like a frenemy there they're the, they're consider themselves the tag team champions. And yeah, every time that uh, Beulah or any other female in ECW is going to get a pile driver, you just know the cameraman's going just right, right there. Just <laughs> right, right where you think, right where you think that they're going to go just because they're all mm-hmm. friggin' dicks here. And I wrote down here that the winner of this match goes for the title, something I wrote this down. I don't know if there's any context behind it, but this was fresh in my mind. AEW take notes, Moxley. <laughs> and it's even worse coming off of All Out. <laughs> yeah. And that fucking disaster that yeah. was. But I, I really like this. They went outside to the snow. They got the toilet brush back in back into here. It looks like it's bring your kid to work day or bring your weapon to work day. The cheese grater licking the oh, blood. This was this was a car crash. This might be my favorite match of the night. I love Dreamer and Raven. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Because like the beginning, I mean, you have your typical ECW style brawl, but they added like their little twists to it. Like you said, they went outside at one point and fought like on the sidewalk with the piles of snow all around. And they went back in. Um, Somebody Raven gets thrown thrown through a table. Uh, somebody gets a chair. I think it's Tommy hits Raven with the chair and the chair, his head goes like through the chair, even though it seems like they're using like plastic chairs, but it is what it is. Uh, cheese grater, of course, as per most Tommy dreamer matches. Um, at one point Raven holds up Tommy in the ring 
for Beulah to spray hairspray into his eyes. But Tommy ducks and Raven gets the hairspray in his eyes and he's blind. Can't see anything. Stevie gets in there to help. Raven blind feels a person. So he just DDTs them out of, you know, oh, it's probably Tommy Dreamer feeling his long, luscious mullet. DDT Stevie Richards by accident. And then uh, Tommy gives a DDT to Raven for a two count. So like the beginning, it was just like a lot of weapons and tomfoolery. But like towards the end, the ending stretch of this match, I thought it had some good drama to it, which is not something that I, I've personally seen a lot in ECW. Normally, it's just like violence, violence, violence. Here's the victory. But I feel like it felt like they built up to the finish, which I really liked. Uh, you got Tommy Dreamer putting his little spin on the uh, the corner punches. So normally, you, you know, one, two, three, all the way through 10 in the corner. But uh, Tommy decides to turn Raven upside down into a tree of woe and gives him 10 punches right to the gooch. Uh, pretty. He's the innovator of violence. So I guess that's uh, that's what he does, I suppose. Uh, Dreamer asks for a chair. So somebody in the crowd throws one to him. He catches it. Uh, but he ends up accidentally hitting the ref. So it's more ref bumps on this show. Stevie gets in there with a Stevie kick to Tommy. Blue Meanie's there, goes for a moonsault, but misses. But then Raven capitalizes on all this distraction, hits Tommy in the gut with a chair, even flow DDT onto the chair, and Raven gets the win. So a lot of tomfoolery, a lot of uh, Raven's flock involved, but uh, I think that this kind of had all of the ECW-ness, but also a good match, which aren't always, you know, mutually, you know, together. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. The, the 10 dick punches was just the icing on the cake. That was, that might be moment of the night. It, it was beautiful. <laughs> the 10 dick punches. That's what people, when they, when they think of holiday hell, 1995, they think of Raven getting punched in the dick 10 times. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. On the 10th day of Christmas. <laughs> So uh, we got El Puerto Ricano versus Bruiser Mastino. Now, uh, first of all, do you know who Bruiser Mastino is? Yeah, Mantar, man. <laughs> of course. I'm going to tell you this. I would not have known if the crowd wasn't chanting Mantar sucks. Because I was like, he kind of looks familiar, but I don't really know who this felt. You know who I did think it was at first? Because I recently just saw a picture and I actually just fact checked this to make sure I was right. Kane and WCW went by Bruiser Mastino, like the same spelling and everything. <laughs> so I don't know if there's like a underlying story here or what, because it seems like a random name to just happen to copy. But uh, I, I thought Kane was going to be here, but it was not. It was fucking Mantar. So you can imagine my disappointment. <laughs> but, yeah, he was still drilling teeth in, in the WWF at this point in time. He sure was. He sure was, Mr. Yankum. Uh, yeah, Bruiser Mastino. I don't know. What do you think was better, Mantar or this character here? I mean, Mantar had the cow head. Uh, yeah, that, no. M Mantar all the way, dude. I mean, M Mantar was in a King Br of the Ring qualifying match, so he already wins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, I mean, Mantar had a cow's head. Bruiser had zero cow's head. So it's really just math at the end of the day. I think Mantar wins yeah. on that. 
Plus yeah, he had really BM on his tights. I mean, come on. Yeah, this pay-per-view has been BM. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. We're watching BM here. Can't tell if he looks more like a fat Lars Sullivan or a skinny Tyrus, but he's here. <laughs> um, go back and watch. He's look. He looks just like Tyrus. If Tyrus could move. Um, I lost your video, but I assume you're vomiting at the thought of that. So, uh, yeah, I have I'll to rinse the taste out of my mouth with this beer. That's fine. Or or are you just pleasuring yourself to that thought of uh, Mantar yes. and trunks? Yes. Cause yeah, he like he like comes out in a suit and like a fedora or something, but then he like undresses, he like takes off his jacket, he rips off his pants, and the crowd all violent violently vomits, and it's the whole thing. But uh yeah, it's a squash match here. Al Puerto Racano is the uh ultimate just a guy to get his ass kicked. Uh I guess they're building up Mantar here. I don't know what the thought is, but uh Puerto is they do the whole thing where Mantar's in the middle and Puerto goes for like clotheslines. He like bounces off of each rope with a clothesline, but can't knock him down. And then Puerto goes on each corner and goes for a missile drop kick. So one, two, three, neither can knock him down. He goes for the fourth one, but Mantar is able to catch him and then hits him with a world's strongest slam for the win. So Mantar gets the win here and um, hits him with another one after the bell because I guess Puerto grabbed the bull by the horns or something. I don't know. He was pretty pissed and uh, goes for a third one. Uh, hits it. But after he hits it, 911 comes out to make the save, gives Mantar a choke slam, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but this causes Bill Alfonso to come out. So many characters involved in this. Bill Alfonso comes out scolding 911 because uh, Bill, Bill Alfonso has banned the choke slam because 911 choke slammed Bill Alfonso a few months ago. So Bill's out there scolding 911. Uh, but then Todd Gordon comes out and uh, him and Bill Alfonso just have a little cat fight in the middle of the ring. I guess they're going to have a rematch because they had a match at the previous show in November to remember. And I guess that was like, man, this is money. Better uh, build this up again. So um, and then Taz comes out. God damn, it's just the whole fucking roster is involved in this segment. And uh, pulls Todd Gordon off of Bill Alfonso, his buddy. And this forces Taz and 911 to have a face off. And you have a funny moment here. So you got Taz and 911 facing off, who at this point are two of the, you know, they're, they're two monsters in ECW, even though Taz may be half the height of 911. But as they're facing off, Mantar tries to attack 911 from behind. But he's like literally hitting 911 in the back and 911 isn't even registering it. He's just still staring at Taz. He's getting hit in the back by Mantar. He just 911 eventually turns around and gives Mantar a choke slam. And there's a whole pull apart between 911 and Taz. Shaw and Mantar fighting in the corner randomly. JT Smith's getting choke slammed for no reason. And then out comes Bubba Ray Dudley. So thoughts on all this? Um, no Shaw versus Mantar, so zero stars. <laughs> Hopefully that'll be on the next show. It's a dream match I never knew I needed, but yeah, any other, um, I guess I got, there's not much to say about Mantar and ECW. 
Now, this was short-lived. Uh, he, he would be Goldust's uh, bodyguard in the Fed during his feud, very brief feud with the Warrior just after this. It's, uh, yeah, I, I never mm. knew that Mantar went to ECW here. This was this was news to me. Yeah, I know WWF and ECW were working together at this point. So I don't know if this was just like, um, maybe Vince was like, oh, I don't have anything for Mantar. I'd send him out, send him to Philly, have him do some shit, or I guess New York in this case, but... Um, yeah, it was whatever. Yeah, Mantar wasn't really destined for success, I suppose. But you know who was? Bubba Ray Dudley versus the Blue Meanie. Because I know you're here like, man, I feel like I got robbed out of a Blue Meanie match earlier. I need a proper Blue Meanie match. Well, you got one here against Bubba Ray Dudley. So uh, Bubba comes out. But Bubba's like really catching fire here. Like he's really getting the crowd behind him because his whole stuttering gimmick is so entertaining. And uh, really the whole Dudleys were they were kind of heels, but now they're kind of transitioning to babyface. And uh, originally the Dudley boys were a part of Raven's flock. As were Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie. But now there's like a civil war within the flock. And now the Dudleys and Stevie Richards and Blue Meanie are going. It's a whole thing. Um. But yeah, Meanie jump starts this one, hits a moonsault, kind of, uh, kind of overshoots it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, well, I guess first I should say that Bubba must win this match, according to Stevie Richards. And if he doesn't win, he's fired from the group. So high stakes, high stakes. But yeah, it's uh, an interesting matchup. But what would you make of this? Oh, man, N- nothing says extreme championship wrestling like a dance off to a shit WCW remix of Highway to Hell. <laughs> like, I, I thought Damn, I heard man. Highway to Hell. It's like, and I'm like that's, that's Spike Dudley's theme. What the heck is going on here? And I, did, I didn't. Yeah. There was no Spike. There was no Devon. There was Big Dick Dudley and Sign Guy Dudley. And Bubba is the next guy that got the wash your ass chant. Uh, so I so, so I guess heavyset <laughs> guys can't wash their own ass. Uh, very, very Apparently homophobic not. crowd here. As you said, interesting earlier. This was just straight up, straight up offensive by them. And Bubba was I, I, I didn't know Bubba was. I, I haven't followed ECW, although I've listened to some of your ECW shows. Is Bubba's initial gimmick of mentally challenged? I think he just, I guess, kind of, I think it's just more of a stutter than the actual, like, full on mentally challenged person. But um, I don't know what the <laughs> origin of this, but for whatever reason, the crowd was getting behind him. So maybe I don't know if it's sympathy or if it's just because he's funny or what it is, but it was it was working, whatever it was. Yeah, and we have uh, just a lot of like Stevie was really exploiting Bubba Dudley is something that I was I was getting getting from this. Uh, yeah, he Meany completely missed that moonsault. Like he he did not get <laughs> that thing one He's bit. He's too athletic. He, he he is much too athletic. He was, I think he was aiming for the referee, trying to do another ref bump or something. <laughs> it was yeah. Meany did not have a great show in here because not only does he miss that moonsault, but he ends up body slamming himself. In this match, which I don't know if you got because Bubba was clearly going for a scoop slam, but Meanie went for it too early. So it was like before Bubba even really grabbed him. So he just like it was like an awkward 
looking slam. So this match had entertainment value, but probably not for the right reasons. Uh, Bubba hulks up eventually and uh, hits a power bomb or something. I forget. And he goes to the top rope and hits a big splash for the no, no. He was going for his power bomb because his finisher is the stuttering power bomb. But Big Dick hits him with his cane. He's like, yeah, you can't do that. So Bubba hits a scoop slam instead. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah, that, that's when he got slammed. And he goes to the top rope, hits his big splash, and gets the win. And then Big Dick gets in there, choke slams Meanie, even though Big Dick still has a broken leg. But he still gets in there, choke slams him. Bubba hits another splash on Meanie. And then Stevie's like, hey. I was just kidding about before. I don't, I, you guys weren't, you know, I'm, I didn't want to fire you guys. You guys are my number one guys. You know, Blue Meanie, he's just a piece of shit. And then they do the whole thing. And then the Dudleys leave. And then Stevie then tends to Meanie once they leave. And the crowd chants, um, oh, Stevie, you're so fine. You suck big cock so great. I've, oh, I forget what the chant was, but it was, it was something like that. <laughs> Something about loving Big Dick, but then I thought like, oh, he he's friends with Big Dick Dudley. It's okay. There, there it is. I think Stevie actually said verbatim that he loves Big Dick. So, hey, tweets their own. No, no judging here. I'm more of a soft, medium chub guy myself. But after that, we got the world title on the line. We got the champion, the Sandman. Defending against Raven, who won this opportunity earlier in the show against Tommy Dreamer. So, like I said, this is coming off of Sandman winning a triangle match against uh, Mikey Whipwreck and Steve Austin. I don't know. Have you have you seen much of Steve Austin in ECW? If you if you have, do you have any thoughts on that? I've seen his promos. I I didn't see any of his matches because I had like Austin's like DVDs or VHSs back in the day. So I got to see when he did like the impersonations of like Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff and really uh, taking the piss out of them. But as, as his matches mm-hmm. are, no, I haven't seen a lick of them. Yeah. He only had a few matches. So, and I, uh, Steve Austin, he's gone back and said that he, he definitely, cause he's coming off of a pretty major injury. He, um, he's, he said in hindsight that he wasn't in shape. He's it is his arm. I think it was his arm and that was injured or something. He, he didn't properly it rehab it. So he wasn't really in was his knee. I think he also injured his arm or something. I don't know. Um, but he basically he wasn't ready to get in there and really have a good match. So but I mean, I've watched his matches in ECW and they're they they're <laughs> above par in relation to the other ECW matches. So take that for what you will. But uh, he'll be in <laughs> WWF literally like the next week after this show as the ringmaster. So no more of Steve Austin in ECW, but yeah, his promos, his promos are really the highlight of his run there. I mean, they're legitimately some of the best promos of all time, especially the one where he was shooting on Eric Bischoff and all of them. They were great. So it's kind of really the spark for Stone Cold in hindsight. So, um, but no Steve here, but we do have a, a pretty good representation of ECW. Sandman and Raven, two uh, two legendary characters in ECW, and it just they cracked me up. The, the beginning of this, the beginning of this match, like it was just so ECW. It was Raven was in the corner sitting down, and uh, Stevie's standing like sitting on top of him on the top turnbuckle. Sandman just has a cigarette and his beer, and he spits the beer at Raven and Stevie as a uh, woman strokes his kendo stick. 
So that's that's pretty much uh, when you when you watch an ECW show, that's kind of what you're looking for. So I can't blame him there. But um, honestly, I mean, this match is kind of, you know, it's a Sandman match. It is what it is. But again, in comparison to other Sandman matches I've watched, this might be the best one I've seen so far against Raven. I think that's a testament to how good Raven is. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of this? I think it had to be because uh, Sandman might be one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in my entire 30 (laughs) years of watching wrestling. It's so bad. Mm. It's as bad as that really shit Metallica dub of Andrew Sandman. Seriously, where's Eddie Munson Uh. when you need him here to shred a guitar in the upside down? (laughs) Just just Jimmy Hart is just playing his own version of it. And speaking of bad dubs. Uh, Raven's theme in ECW was come out and play by the offspring. And this was just a nitro mm-hmm. version of this. Dude, and so bad. I used to be able to crush beer cans like that on my head when I was 16. But now I have vertigo. So <laughs> I can't see how the two. <laughs> so what do you just pop. miss? <laughs> I don't know. But maybe I don't know. I couldn't tell you. The two couldn't possibly be paralleled here, but. Sandman was just drunken prat falling and somehow Raven bled in this match <laughs> from taking nothing. <laughs> I think Sandman yeah, fell into him. Then Raven thought, okay, I'm just going to blade here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was because like Raven jump starts it as because like Sandman's by the way, Sandman's like he had, he had been a heel the entire year, but I guess he's kind of transitioning into more of a, fan favorite here so he's like getting the crowd behind him he's he takes his beer and like holds it way above his head and chugs it but as he's doing this raven attacks him from behind but sandman quickly quickly turns it around and uh honestly dominates most of this match which is weird to say but i guess raven had had a match a pretty brutal match later or earlier in the show so it makes sense in that way but you got sandman Kendo stick shots, of course, you know, throwing Raven into the barricades and all the the Sandman quirks that you love to see. Um, Sandman does this spot that I love that is like so because like you said, Sandman, he's not a great wrestler, but he has this weird athleticism to him that allows him to take a kendo stick and hurdle the top rope and then hit his opponent on the way down on the floor, which is just incredible to see every time. Um sends Raven through a table that's ringside and like folds the table up so that he's like surrounded by it. And then he like stomps on the table. So it's, it's it was a fun brawl. This match, I thought uh, Richards, of course, ringside tries to get involved. But women's there. Woman is there with Sandman and uh, Kane's Stevie Richards sends him out of the ring. And then she also tries to hit Raven. But uh, according to Joey Styles, Raven likes it. So Raven doesn't budge at all. And uh, as Raven goes to attack woman, I guess Sandman tries to save her. But this allows Richards to hit him in the hit Sandman in the back with a wet floor sign, which, you know, sounds pretty devastating to me. Probably more devastating to whoever's slipping on the floor somewhere in the crowd. But um, former janitor can confirm <laughs> that hit home, that hit close to home for you. That really triggered you when you saw that. I'm sure I get it. I get it. Uh, Raven hits Sandman in the face with the Singapore cane multiple times. And then in comes Tommy Dreamer just to take not to save Sandman, 
not to attack Raven, but to just attack everybody with this cane. Literally, he hits Sandman, hits Raven, hits Stevie Richards, and then gives Beulah a pile driver. And uh, yeah, like you said, man, he holds her up, makes makes sure every four, all four sides of the arena <laughs> sees it, and then just drops her on her head, takes it like a champ. And I know what you're thinking. You know what? This match could use a few more run-ins. Well, I got you. So we got Cactus Jack enters <laughs> enters the fray, hits Sandman with a double-arm DDT. Raven covers, but only gets a two-count. So some pretty good false finishes towards the end of this match. And ultimately, Sandman hits a top-rope bulldog for the win. So he retains his title. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun match. Yeah, this was okay. I mean, as I just noted how sloppy uh, Sandman was here and that uh, Raven really carried him through here. Uh, Some fan just tried to grab and almost molest the Sandman at some point in time. Um, I mean, like, can you blame him? I mean, who who, who wouldn't, right? Uh, You know, if I see Sandman at AEW in Toronto next month, uh, I don't know what, you know, what, what would happen. But yeah, just... Do you have a, the, is that where he's two? from? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I know. He, oh, I thought you had some information that I didn't have. No, no, no. Sa- Sandman's not Canadian. He would be one of our secret shames if uh, if so. But yeah, this mm. uh, all the other uh, run ins here. It was it was the most ECW match that ever ECW completely with yeah. that sloppy ass face buster at the end. That was that was barely a bulldog. He did not catch all that. That was like oh, a Chris man. Jericho. That was a Chris Jericho face buster leading up to the lion salt. <laughs> I mean, as far as Sandman finishers, it's, you know, not the worst I've seen. So again, I have a low bar going into this and so maybe I can enjoy it a little more. But uh, yeah, Sandman, like you said, Raven definitely, I think, looked good here. Or, or I think he made Sandman look good here. I think Raven's probably an unsung like, because everybody knows him for his character and his promos and stuff. But I mean, his match with Tommy Dreamer was great before this. This match was good. So I think Raven in ring is pretty underrated. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And e- even more so as a character, his run in the WWE, I mean, it had its moments. I mean, the hardcore title match at WrestleMania X7 is in my top five favorite matches of all time. And I'm not joking. Really? <laughs> yeah. I love, it, I love that match, too. It, it's just complete chaos and wrestling is supposed to be like silly bollocks and i like a t- just a sprinkling of the bollocks in in my mm. wrestling m- much like this uh this next match uh we were robbed of the heavenly bodies and i'm i'm devastated <laughs> you know jimmy del rey was arrested and richard is about to flip get it because that was the original no. name for zip Ah, that's fun. We're all having fun. <laughs> but you know what? They um, the Heavenly Bodies, like you mentioned, they debuted. They they were on a um the ECW their TV show. So if you if you if you have a real hankering to see the Gigolo and uh, Doctor Tom compete against the Public Enemy, they did. It was like early December. It's on Peacock. So go, go ahead and check it out if you really need to. Um, but you're not missing much if you don't watch it. But anyways, 
So <laughs> we got instead of that, we got the public enemy versus the gangsters, Mustafa and New Jack. This match can eat my ass. Thoughts? <laughs> uh Second, yes, th- th- this was just New Jack murdering people. Uh, one of the guys wearing a violent by design shirt, and I can see uh, Joe Doring just taking notes here. By the way, get well soon, Joe Doring. Fuck cancer. Uh, a moon. Certainly. I lost track of who was doing moves. Like I have like a moon salt by I don't know who. A bulldog on a chair. Th- this was a. This was a, an an elite locker room fight, if you will. <sighs> Yeah, it was um, I'm realizing because, you know, my earlier shows, I've talked about the public public enemy and the earlier shows I was watching on a link that had like the real music, you know, the unedited versions. I'm quickly realizing that the public enemy has zero little to zero value without a hop stepper as their music, because otherwise, man, in the ring, I mean, they're not terrible but God, man, I mean, maybe maybe it's the gangsters or maybe it's just these two together. It was just mindless, you know, frying pans, hubcaps, tables like no one's selling anything. Everyone's bleeding for no reason. You got. um, But I mean, ultimately, it's I guess it's supposed to be an important match because the public enemy, they're about to leave for WCW. I think the next show is like their farewell kind of deal. So. I guess they're here facing the gangsters as I guess one of their most prominent feuds. But um, yeah, not a lot to it, man. I mean, the public enemy, they hit their drive by at the end. But uh, the ref is distracted by New Jack on, on the outside. And then New Jack ultimately hits Rocco Rock with a steel chair and Mustafa rolls him up for the win. So, um, yeah, it was kind of just a mess of a match. And uh, yeah, didn't really do it for me. Uh, if they really wanted to put the public enemy kind of over in this, they could have just dubbed in their WCW non non on off theme. At least that would have made sense. Visually. How does that go? It's like, no, 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 It's just a really bad version of that actual song. I don't know what it's really called, but yeah, this match wasn't sure. Wasn't Olympic rules. It sure wasn't. Would you have preferred it if it was Olympic rules? Hell yeah, I, I could picture uh, New Jack doing a couple of good double eggs into uh, into a small package into a chicken wing. I tried out for the wrestling team in high school. I failed That's miserably. Racist. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Olympic rules, you ask Olympic rules you receive, because that brings us to our main event. Cactus Jack versus Sabu. So Cactus Jack, don't forget, a new tag team champion, I guess. He at least comes out wearing the tag team championship belt, which, by the way, that was a pretty good looking belt. I don't know. <laughs> it was probably the best looking belt of the show. Um, but comes out there and uh, I don't know if you've, if you've seen Mick Foley's promos in ECW, but his his heel work. His promos at this point in ECW were like unmatched, like some of the best promos of all time. I think. Have you, have you seen any of them? Kane Dewey. Kane yeah, yeah. Dewey. He is two years. Of course, I've seen McFoley's. They're they're fucking exceptional. They're so good. 
it was so like ahead of its time, I feel like. Because 1995 is an era where you can see a lot of cut and paste. It's like, I'm going to do this to you. And uh, Diesel, the truck stops here, like kind of promos. A lot of yelling, a lot of hey, spitting. That's golden right there. That's gold work. work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something. But Cactus Jack, his whole thing, he has like layers to his character here. Because, of course, he's like the deathmatch guy, the hardcore guy, the guy that, you know, throws himself in the pools of piranhas that are on fire with thumbtacks. Like, that's him. But he's like kind of resents that at this point because he had a little stint in WCW where he wasn't really so much that. And now he's back in ECW, got fired from WCW. And now he's he's in a stage where he like kind of misses WCW because the hardcore lifestyle I mean, he points to his ear that's missing now because of the hardcore lifestyle. He like he's like, everybody's chanting you're hardcore at me, but that, that hardcore stuff has ruined my life. And what what do you guys why do you deserve that? And like all that stuff, like it's so good. And uh, like there's like a thing where he's like at an amusement park with his kids and he's like on a like a like a swing ride. And it's like, I'm hardcore. I'm hardcore. Like that kind of stuff. And he's like putting on glasses, but he can't wear glasses because he's missing an ear. Like, I'm hardcore like that stuff. So he's like making fun of it. So that's why he wants an Olympic rules match here on this show against Sabu. And uh, yeah, so he brings out an NCAA ref, John Pee Wee Moore, which I don't know. Is this a famous ref? I'm, I'm, un- I'm unfamiliar. Um, but the ref basically goes over the rules. He like literally lays out, oh, two points for takedowns. Uh, you know, escaping the ring is negative points. Strike, no striking. Uh, if you strike, it's gonna get negative points. No chairs. <laughs> it's like he's gotta specify there's no chairs. Um, but you know who doesn't like this? Is nine one one. Nine one one's back. He comes out here, choke slams the ref, and uh, just hilariously picks up this unconscious ref again by the throat like like a cartoon character just picks him right up gives him another choke slam and then 911 grabs the mic and he looks at cactus jack and he says this ain't no olympic style boy that's a quote and uh 911 says he's the ref so i guess that's all it takes you don't need any certification or you don't need to pass any tests you just go in there say you're the ref okay you can ref this main event i guess that's how it goes but the match itself, it's Olympic style. That's not even though Joey Styles was hilariously commentating as if it was, which is probably the highlight of this whole thing. Like he was keeping score on points and takedowns and negative points for strikes and all that shit. But Sabu versus Cactus Jack, it's pretty much exactly what you would expect. I thought I don't know what you think of it. Yeah, the, the keeping the score bit here just uh, made me think of the uh, the TNA hard 10 championship tournament it's ab- absolute bullshit but it's so it's fun just that's something <laughs> you should look into reviewing i know you're way ahead of the curve in that tna but going back to 03 would be would be fun and as soon as uh. i saw this olympic stuff i just thought uh is this a rib like who who is this a rib on this was this would have been before kurt angle won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck so it, it can't be Right. One on him. And as soon as I saw this, I immediately thought of also uh, there was a brief time where Mick Foley was heel leading into uh, ECW One Night Stand 2006 
and you have that tag match with Edge. He should have done this yeah. Olympic rules bit with with Kurt Angle for that show, or at least during his commissionership yeah. period. And I looked up, yeah, Pee Wee Morris, just in a schlub, just an ECW referee, not an <laughs> NCAA referee. Keep, keeping count was great, and there was a lot of you know Cactus Jack moves in here, bang bang, like the 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 elbow, the DDT, the, the chair DDT is just mwah, it's a thing of beauty, mm. and. Nine one one for referee for I I don't know reasons I I don't know what the hell he was doing here but I guess he wanted to see a fight and since Cactus Jack and Sabu didn't go they didn't bother googling Billy Robinson so they just didn't uh, didn't bother so. with it they just bet the shit out of each other this was fun I I did enjoy this match especially with the Olympic <laughs> whole thing I love it. And the WCW <laughs> sucks sign for reasons yeah. like I don't mean to diss New York because I'm a native New Yorker. He was talking about this wheelchair guy who gave him a crutch. Oh, of, God. Yeah. I, I don't know where he was going with this. I thought if he's going to go Kane Dewey on like a wheelchair guy, I mean, I'll jump out of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention that he like cuts a promo. Cactus Jack does. And he's like. Let me tell you a story real quick. You know, a couple of weeks ago in, in Philly, there's, I guess there's like a fan named John who's in a wheelchair. I guess it's like a famous fan. I don't know. Uh, but he's like, oh, John, I can't wait to see you at the next show. And then John's like, I don't have a ride. And then Cactus is like, oh, well, I gave that kid a ride Man, tonight. So I made his dream come true. Well, tonight we're going to make dreams come true again. And then he goes into the Olympic rules thing. So that was a weird, weird little addition by old Foley boy here. But um, yeah, lots of fun here. I mean, you got Sabu, who is always going <laughs> to be so chaotic, but he was it was pretty good in this match with all the um, run up. You know, he would run up the chair you know, over the top rope and the Arabian face busters and all that stuff. And they got Cactus Jack with, uh, like you mentioned, his, his running elbow with the chair onto the floor. There's one point where Cactus, he gets his head hung up in the ropes, just like the time in Germany when he got his oh. ear ripped off. I don't know why the fuck he still does this spot. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess he's playing to that. But still, it's like, why? Why are we risking it at this point? Um, But as his head is tied up in the ropes, <laughs> Sapu just fucking takes the chair and hits a Arabian leg drop on his head and knocks him out of the ropes, I guess. Um, suicide dives from Sabu. Um, at one point, a table is set up on the outside. Cactus Jack is on the apron. Sabu runs up the chair and does a cross body on the Cactus Jack, knocking him through the table off the apron and inside the ring. Jack is down. Sabu does a atomic Arabian face buster, which is a flipping variety of the move, I guess. Uh, but Cactus Jack kicks out. But then Cactus Jack just gets up, tries to give Sabu a scoop slam. Sabu counters it, lands on him and pins him. So I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they just wouldn't do the, the finish on the um, the face buster. But maybe they're playing to the Olympic rules element. And that was kind of more of like a regular wrestling moves. Maybe that's it was just, maybe it was just a rib on to make themselves laugh. I don't know, but a weird finish, but I guess ultimately a pretty fun match. Yeah. Joey styles called that finish Olympic wrestling history. And I, I wrote down here, uh, some dick threw his takeout in the ring at the guys. Just, 
It, it looked like a styrofoam container of leftover really? General Tao chicken or something. It was, it it, it was nasty. <laughs> it, this match was, I, I think it was a giant rib, but I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and the fact that it ended not on an extreme move really kind of it it definitely helped yeah. with the Olympic rules match. But that that was a small package that wasn't like an official Olympic wrestling move, like the. If you want to know something funny, like when I when I tried out for wrestling and I was doing we were practicing and all that, the what appears to be the perfect plex, I think was called something else like the small package. You don't pick up the guy and slam him. <laughs> you were the perfect small package. Uh, uh, half an inch flaccid, uh, two inches erect. Um, anyways. OK, OK, not bad. Not a bad percentage. <laughs> yeah. Well, grower. Oh. Uh, Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. You're in Canada. It's cold. I get it. I get it. Uh, but the uh, yeah, that brings Holiday Hell 1995 to a close. Any other any other thoughts on this splendiferous show that we were blessed to watch? Uh, I think I've already said this, but it was kind of hard to take notes for uh, to go because I like to kind of go beat for yeah. beat for like at least when I when I review my stuff I I try to do beat for beat but this was kind of disorganized but it was listen it was it was an ECW show like I, I loved Cactus Jack versus Sabu you know my first experience seeing the Shaw was was definitely eye opening up uh, a whole lot of what's the common ECW I noticed here like we got. Bubba Dudley here. We're just we're a couple of months away from his Devon debut on your timeline yet. No, he has not. I'm not sure when that is, but yeah, we got Bubba, Sign Guy, Chubby Dudley, Dances with Dudley, Big Dick Dudley. I think that's it at this point. But yeah, no Devon yet. I, I think he I think he's 96, if I'm not mistaken. And just another chapter in the in the historic Dreamer Raven rivalry was Austin to see because have you have you mm-hmm. seen the rise and fall of ECW DVD from back in the day? I have. It's been a while, but I, I have seen it. Yep. It's something I'm going to have to hunt down, but I think it, it 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 goes for a hefty price these days. But it's I just remember seeing it documented on there, and you know, of course, I got to see it when it aired on TNN, which was a rare occurrence because you know, as you know, they they kind of effed over Heyman in the time slot like friday nights at 11 i was set friday night at 11 i see monster truck madness where's where's my ecw and no one knew they they, they shit right. kicked him here but yeah it, it was a whole bunch of what we see uh, the genesis is not of mcgillicuddy but of other extreme stuff especially <laughs> with Beulah the mcgillicuddy boys. oh yeah but she'd already been a thing at this point in time but Michael McGillicuddy was just uh, just a shot in her eye at this point in time. So to speak. <laughs> so to speak. But uh, I didn't know we were talking about Two Cold Scorpio and Missy Hyatt again. But anyways, if you want to hear more about Two Cold Scorpio's penis, you all should check out the Fretzelmania podcast. Once again, Fretzy boy, thank you once again for uh, taking the time to watch the show. Come on, talk about it. Where can everybody find you and listen to your uh, listen to your show? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. I do a weekly retro wrestling podcast on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. 
with uh, the Kings of the Rings podcast, Brace for Impact with uh, one of your former guests, Nate the F and Great. He has been doing a lot of Impact Wrestling nice. as of late uh, and the Young Lions perspective as well. Uh, KOTR podcast, they stream every Wednesday night on Twitch at about 8 p.m.-ish. So uh, we're about, about an hour and a half away from sitting to see Warren Hayes. So if you want to go for another great group chat and great show, check them out, Twitch, YouTube, all that sort of things. I've been doing Smackdowns throughout 2002. I just finished SummerSlam 02, actually, tomorrow morning. Uh, my review of SummerSlam 02 will drop with Nate the F and Great. It was a great time, and I just can't wait to get into uh, the rest of the Ruthless Era because uh, the SmackDown 6 is just beginning. Uh, we have a Discord. Mm. We have merch, much like this beautiful shirt that I'm wearing here and the Fretzelmania hoodie that's on my chair behind me. Uh, the merch is from all of us, uh, so KOTR, uh, Nate... Young Lions perspective, we have everything from coffee mugs and tumblers and t-shirts, hoodies, pants, sports bras for some reason. So if you want, uh, let, let me know if you buy that, ladies, by the way. I, I, I'm just curious. Uh, swim shorts, we have a whole bunch of shit. Mm. So if you like <laughs> retro wrestling podcasts and the Ruthless Aggression Era, shout out to the American and UK variants of Ruthless Podcasts, by the way. Uh, yeah, check me out. I, I would I would love to hear from you. Yeah, I love your show because you, you cover like more of the in-between stuff more so than I do. So it, it's, it's good to hear your thoughts on that. Have you, you haven't covered the Billy and Chuck wedding yet, have you? No, that's something I might have to bring you on for. I did review it with Nate on when, right, when yeah. I was a co-host of the Game Changer podcast back in the day. But uh, I haven't reviewed it myself yet. That's actually, I think, about a month away in the timeline. So I might I might have to invite you on for that one because that's... Uh, there's a couple of things on that show that are a trip. I mean, you have Bob Harley getting dropped on his head on that episode. You got a mm-hmm. commitment ceremony. You got HLA. It's it's a trip. So, uh, yeah, here, here's the invite. Come on down. I mean, maybe we can just each like pop a Viagra and watch it. And the last one to get a boner wins. Deal. <laughs> Once again, a thank you to Mr. Fretz from the Fretzelmania podcast for joining me on this show. Always a good time with Fretz. And uh, check out his podcast, the Fretzelmania podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow him on Twitter, Instagram, MySpace, uh, QAnon, all of the stuff that he loves to peruse. Do that. Follow, you know, follow me, Apron Bump, on Twitter, Apron Bump on Instagram. Apron bump on TikTok. If you're watching the YouTube, all my socials are right below you. Uh, particularly follow me on TikTok. I'm having a lot of fun on TikTok lately. It's kind of seems it seems like where I spend the most of my anal there. So uh, Twitter as well. So if you just want to get my short, dumb thoughts. So do that if you wish. Why don't you go out and buy a shirt? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, rate the pod, give the podcast a rating, a five star rating, give it a little review. Uh, leave a comment if you're watching on the YouTubes, hit that bell, hit the thumbs up, give a Sandman Kendo shot to that subscribe button. Hope you guys have a great holiday season. I know it's not for another three ish months. But uh, it's never too early. 
always ahead of the curve, as is the apron bump here. So, uh, yeah. It still smells like diarrhea in here, by the way. Thank you guys once again for listening. God bless you all. God bless America. God bless Canada. And Mexico, too, I guess. I mean, if we're just doing North America. Um, every, everywhere else, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Except Puerto Rico. Don't really need you. Anyways, thank you guys once again for listening. Love you all. Cha, yeah. I'm hard.